Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. In our last episode titled, The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 1, April 17th, we examined the first half of the full sentence in verses 1 and 2 in my Bible. Verse 1, the first half of the full statement we read, Dear friends, this is already the second letter I have written you in which I am trying to stir up your pure mind by way of reminder. Semicolon. Can you see that even people back then, like people now, have a tendency to forget things? Just what was he working to remind them? He was reminding them that it was to be expected that in the last days, there would be scoffers who would deride the doctrines of religion and who would maintain that there was no evidence that what had been predicted would be fulfilled. Scoffers, making such claims, if seemingly presenting themselves as truthful people, truthful teachers, or even truthful pastors, seem to make sense to the new mind in Christ as well as some older people in Christ. Such people, and the new people in Christ, are persuaded by what they believe to be sound proof and evidence that such a person, teacher, and or pastor is a truthful person when they are not. To be noted as well, no argument against this predicted event can be derived from the fact that hundreds and thousands of years are suffered to elapse before the fulfillment of the predictions. What seems long to men is not. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 1. Today, our scripture reads, Dear friends, this is already the second letter I have written you, in which I am trying to stir up your pure mind by way of reminder. I want you to recall both the predictions foretold by the Holy Prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, understand this. In the last days, blatant scoffers will come, being propelled by their own evil urges and saying, Where is his promised return? For ever since our ancestors died, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately suppressed this fact, that by the word of God heavens existed long ago, and an earth was formed out of water and by means of water. Through these things, the world existing at that time was destroyed when it was deluged with water. But by the same word, the present heavens and earth 
have been reserved for fire by being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. From Free Version of New English Translation with Limited Notes, Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. I reread verse 1, the first half of a full sentence in verses 1 and 2 in my Bible for the full continuity of what Peter is saying. We are, however, continuing our study in verse 2 this week. For clarity, verse 2 reads, I want you to recall both the predictions foretold by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Clearly, Peter's audience has forgotten something, though maybe in a hidden place of the mind, so as not totally lost, but they are encouraged to recall both the predictions foretold by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior. Simply, they need to remember prophetic predictions and the commandment spoken to them by Jesus through his apostles. The predictions of the prophet before the advent of the Savior, respecting his character and work, Peter had before appealed to them as furnishing important evidence in regard to the truth of the Christian religion and valuable instruction in reference to its nature. Many of the most important doctrines respecting the kingdom of the Messiah are stated as clearly in the Old Testament as in the New Testament, and the prophecies therefore deserve to be studied as an important part of divine revelation. It should be added here, however, that when Peter wrote, there was this special reason why he referred to the prophets, that the canon of the New Testament was not then completed and he could not make his appeal to that. To some parts of the writings of Paul, he could and did appeal, but probably a very small part of what is now the New Testament was known to those to whom this epistle was addressed. From Barnes' New Testament Notes So, we now have the how and the why for the first portion of what Peter said when he encouraged his audience of the day to recall the predictions foretold by the holy prophets. What we today call biblical prophecy or prophecies. That was the what, and the why is, the prophecies therefore deserve to be studied as an important part of divine revelation. If you are looking for divine revelation, you have no further to look than your own Bible. Between the Old and New Testaments, there is plenty to study. Having a full knowledge of these prophetic words will help you better understand the times you live in right now. Why the news media, no matter where you live, has not much to say that is good news these days. Remember. Prophecy was spoken way back when and is now coming to pass. Once you know a reasonable amount of prophecy found in your Bible, 
you will be able to better see it being fulfilled almost with every passing day. These days, you will also know when prophecy is fulfilled in fairly non-descriptive words like wars and rumors of wars. Then, there are other things and or actions in the world that are more specifically being fulfilled as well, thus fulfilling more exactly stated prophetic words or passage. The second part of this examination begs the question, what was the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles? As stated in commentary here, it is stated as one commandment. What commandment could Peter be speaking about? The commandment of these intends either the gospel in general, so-called because it was the commandment of our Lord to his apostles to preach it, and therefore the word commandment in the original stands between us the apostles and the Lord and Savior, as being the commandment of the one to the other. Unless it can be thought, any regard is had to the new commandment of love, or that of faith, inculcated both by Christ and his apostle. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. That may sound a bit broad or sketchy to some of you. However, this is not where the main force of this passage really is. Yet, commentary has given us an idea of what is meant by Peter's expression of thought. This commentary passage mentions a few things of which all apply. Whether Peter is speaking more directly or not cannot for sure be ascertained. Nonetheless, all mentioned here apply with one reason or another as foundation. Also, if we have any understanding of our Bible, we know that Jesus said that loving God and then mankind was the greatest commandment. How does that fit with what we have learned here? Of learned Christians, such as the apostles, the commandment that would come to mind is that which tells us that love, faith, are most important here. Hope is included here by scripture reference. When we are home in heaven, faith will no longer be required. Do not let that statement turn you off. Think about it. Here we see dimly and thus need faith. The question then is, why would we need faith in heaven when we can see what we cannot see now that requires faith? Verse 3 and 4 read, Above all, understand this, in the last days blatant scoffers will come, being propelled by their own evil urges, and saying, Where is his promised return? For ever since our ancestors died, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. In my Bible, verse 3 and 4 are one sentence. So, looking at verse 3 first, we find, where is the promise of his coming to judgment? We see no sign of any such thing. 
For ever since the fathers, our first ancestors, fell asleep, all things, heaven, water, earth, continue as they were from the beginning of creation, without any such material change as might make us believe they will ever end. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible In contrast to what we are warned about today, global warming, regardless of how you think of it, notice this portion of that commentary passage. For ever since the fathers, our first ancestors, fell asleep, meaning that they died in Christ, all things, heaven, water, earth, continue as they were from the beginning of the creation, without any such material change as might make us believe they will ever end. The only thing that global warming people are telling us is that everything is drying out. The trees are not changing as to adapt. They are drying out and dying. Of fresh water rivers and lakes, we have good evidence that they are drying up even though we presently are experiencing rising sea levels. It has been seen that the seas presently are being fed by melting glaciers, reducing the salt content of the oceans. So, whether water or earth, we do have, at the very least, markable changes for the worse. What commentary is referring to is the fact whether heaven, water, or earth, these three, whether dying faster than usual or not, will remain in whatever quantity we find them. As commentary said, all things, heaven, water, earth, continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Not necessarily in the original quantity that God gave the earth originally, but they most certainly will not disappear into the annals of history anytime soon. So, is global warming, climate change, actually real? I will let you decide that since this is a Bible study and not a science class. So, moving on. Notice this sentence in verse 3. They will do what they themselves want to do. Either after the carnal reasonings of their minds, admitting of nothing but what they can comprehend by reason, making that the rule, test, and standard of all their principles, and so cast away the law of the Lord, and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel, or rather, after their sinful and fleshly lust, making them their guides and governors, and giving up themselves entirely to them, to obey and fulfill them. The phrase denotes a continued series of sinning, a progress in it, a desire after it, and pleasure in it, and an obstinate persisting in it. Scoffers at religion and revelation are generally libertines, and such as sit in the seat of the scornful are in the counsel of the ungodly and way of sinners. Libertine, just what does that word mean? 
a man who lives without restraint of the animal passion, one who indulges his lust without restraint, one who leads a dissolute, licentious life, licentious, dissolute, not under the restraint of law or religion, as libertine principles, a libertine life. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. So, that commentary passage could read this way. Scoffers at religion and revelation are generally without restraint of the animal passion. One who indulges his lust without restraint. One who leads a dissolute, licentious life. Licentious, dissolute, not under the restraint of law or religion, as libertine principles, a libertine life, and such as sit in the seat of the scornful, are in the counsel of the ungodly and way of sinners. There you have it. Not a pretty sight at all. As you can see, one needs to be saved in Christ to redeem any value they have in this life. Unsaved, we may be able to do a lot of good things, yet all for naught in the end if one is not saved of Christ. Can you see what you need to be saved in Christ from? This is why good people, yet unsaved in Christ, will perish in the fiery hell as we are warned about. Think about that for a bit. Verse 4 continues in the sentence, And saying, Where is his promised return? For ever since our ancestors died, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. This is the tipping point for us as people and how we, today, reason things we either understand to any degree or do not understand at all, hence requiring all of our cognitive reasoning to gain understanding of what we do not know. This is where our mental confusion is sourced. That is, either where is the fulfillment of that promise, or where are the indications or signs that he will come? They evidently meant to imply that the promise had utterly failed, that there was not the slightest evidence that it would be accomplished, that they who had believed this were entirely deluded. It is possible that some of the early Christians, even in the time of the apostles, had undertaken to fix the time when these events would occur, as many have done since and that as that time had passed by, they inferred that the prediction had utterly failed. But whether this were so or not, it was easy to allege that the predictions respecting the second coming of the Savior seemed to imply that the end of the world was near, and that there were no indications that they would be fulfilled. The laws of nature were uniform, as they had always been, and the alleged promises had failed, 
from Barnes' New Testament notes. There is where we are today. I have seen many make predictions of the return of Christ in what many call the rapture. Come and go, thanks to the Internet. Yet, one thing we are told by our Bibles is that this return of Christ on the clouds will come without any warning. This is why, if you attempt to predict his return, failure is greatly imminent. We know Christ is busy making a place for us in heaven. At present, only the Father knows the time that Christ will be released to come get us on the clouds. We will ascend from the earth into the clouds to meet Christ before we go to our eternal home. The best we will get of this foreknowledge of knowing his return in this way, according to the book of Mark, is that we will hear his knock on the door. Will there be a knocking sound like we are familiar with? I seriously doubt that, but it will be something we will recognize, and thus the analogy in the book of Mark will work for us. This only says his return is imminent. It is no indicator by any means that says he will return in any number of years, months, days, hours, or minutes. It only indicates that anyone who is unsaved needs to make a decision before he comes, and it is all written in stone and now unchangeable. And this time I am speaking of is very much sooner than later in its coming. I rest comfortable in that knowledge because of what I read in my Bible. Next week, we start to look at the damage a false teacher can do in our episode titled, The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 3. What does Peter mean when he says, But by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been reserved for fire. We will learn what scripture is saying next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God 
as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.